Hey there, welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Pranky Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple that shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week we're back into the Marvel pool. Pretty frequent swimmers in the Marvel pool, especially since last week we just talked about the show Moon Knight, which is a, a Marvel television series. But this week we're back on the Marvel movies. And we are talking about one of the best ones, I think, is safe to say. Black Panther released in 2018. Yes, indeed. Black Panther has become a cultural touchstone, I would like to say, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Anything in just pop culture in general, it exploded in a big bad way. It was the highest grossing non-Avengers MCU film ever until just recently with Spider-Man No Way Home. It just completely exploded in every way. It made $1.3 billion at the box office, 96% Rotten Tomatoes score. Uh, I believe it's the 13th highest grossing film of all time and the second highest grossing film of 2018 behind Avengers Infinity War, which it blows my mind even now thinking about it, the fact that this came out in the beginning of 2018 and then Avengers Infinity War came out this summer. It, it's insanity to me that both of these movies came out in the same year. <laughs> Disney made a whole lot of money. Uh, yeah, for sure. And it makes me think about way back in the beginning of the year, this year, when we started our Marvel series, right? We did Iron Man. That was the first movie we did with our good friend Josh Lamott. And we brought up the subject of can the MCU ever end? Like, can it or will it ever end? And basically the consensus we all came to is like, obviously nothing lasts forever. But even if the MCU doles out a couple of duds here and there, it's always going to make money because people are always going to go see these movies and butts are always going to be in seats to see these superheroes just kick ass constantly. So it's insane how much money they're swimming in over there. <laughs> well, you got to think of it like this. Every decade or every like generation has like that set of pe- movies or usually it's like an actor who's like untouchable for a while. Like right. the 80s had Arnie and Sly where they were just printing money anytime the two of them were in a movie. Yeah. Like... The 90s probably had all those, like, teen movies. 90s had all the teen like, movies. Like, you have, like, the, the Freddie Prince and the Sarah Michelle Gellers of the world, you know? You also had the indie, like, Darlings. That was, yeah. like, the crazy indie boom. And now, since, like, 2008 with Iron Man, even, actually, even if you go back to, like, Spider-Man yeah. with Toby, mm-hmm. we've kind of had this comic book. Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, from that point probably with spider-man and even before that there have been superhero movies that did really well but the mcu of course as we've talked about pretty much with every marvel movie we've discussed so far in the series this year marvel is just like another animal well yeah the mcu is probably the greatest cinematic franchise we will probably ever see yeah because everybody wants to be marvel everything wants to be a big franchise but no one can quite live up Um, But Black Panther in particular, I think it really just exploded in a way because for the obvious reason that it's mostly like 99% an all black cast and 
the cast in this movie, I mean, we talked about it last night when we watched the film. It's like just like heavy hitter after heavy hitter after heavy hitter as far as acting ability. Like it's insane. And just the visuals of this movie, the score, the everything. Like there's really no aspect of this movie that is weak. Honestly, it might be some of the best acting for some of these actors that they've ever done. I don't know. Well, the one I want to personally bring up is probably Michael B. Jordan. I mean, Michael B. Jordan has done a lot of great stuff. Oh, he has. I love him in Creed. Just Mercy, I thought he was very good in Just Mercy. But I think his Killmonger... It's great. He does a great job. Yeah. It is so well done. And you feel for him mm-hmm. because it makes sense. The way he grew up and the ideas he has makes sense right that's the thing that i think is really good about this movie not only the fact that it 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 speaks on the ideas behind social justice in regards to african americans now and like it definitely connects to the society that we live in today but it gives us a sympathetic villain that i mean throughout the whole movie rewatching it i was like just I felt so bad for him and I just wanted to try to like try to like do something to reach out to Michael B. Jordan's character and just like give him some kind of redemption. And of course, as we all know, Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever, I think is the name of it, right? Yes. That's coming out in November. People are talking about like, oh, maybe Killmonger's going to be the new Black Panther. I mean, he did die at the end of this movie, but I feel like and I this could be the soap opera watcher in me because like I mentioned last week when we talked about Moon Knight I have a, a guilty pleasure affinity for soap operas there is an opening for him to still be alive I don't think that's gonna happen I kind of hope it doesn't because it would kind of be a slap in the face to all the strong female characters in this movie to just bring a dude back from the dead to be Black Panther. that would kind of suck but there is an opening that it could be possible that he could still be alive. Well, okay. I, I want to argue you here a little bit. Okay. Yes, Shuri will take the mantle initially. That is my that is my thought process. She will take the mantle initially. Mm-hmm. I don't think she wants the mantle. I think as the character is written, she would much rather be Iron Man right. than she would be Black Panther. I get it. And the idea about Killmonger... I don't think this Killmonger is alive. Oh, you think it's a multiverse thing, possibly? It's possible. Like, everything is possible now, right? Because multiverse is a thing now. I think either way, the movie's going to be dope. I mean, the trailer looks amazing. So I'm not, uh, you know, I don't think anyone's doubting that this movie's going to be good. Hey, I predict Angela Bassett to get nominated for supporting actress just off the trailer. You did. And you know what? Other people are doing that, too. So it's not outside the realm of possibility i'm not counting her out just yet you know what i mean but just some preliminary fun facts this is chapter six of phase three in the mcu right in between ragnarok and like i said infinity war it was co-written and directed by ryan coogler who is also going to be behind the sequel as well as movies like Creed and Fruitvale Station. Have you ever seen Fruitvale Station? No, I've never seen Fruitvale. But okay, I would never do it on the show because it is really like so fucking sad. <laughs> and it's based on a true story. But uh, if you're in the mood for like a really dramatic, heavy movie where Michael B. Jordan acts his ass off, 
please watch it. It's actually a very good movie. It's just pretty heavy for this show. We like to keep things at least somewhat light and fun on this show. One of the things I love about this movie, and I feel like a lot of people really appreciate it, especially black people, is that it does pay homage to African culture in a big bad way. This movie, uh, Kugler brought in several different experts on African history and politics to consult and help define Wakanda and the world of Wakanda the world building is just so distinct and detailed and I love that you really feel when you're watching the movie like you are in this other world and it just it totally sets it apart from like a normal quote-unquote MCU film yeah, definitely. Like, does this have some of the MCU things we've seen before? Yeah, it does. But even with some of those things that have been seen in MCU movies, this is done in such a way that you don't give a shit. Yeah, for sure. And I just thought it would be interesting to mention because Scotty and I are both 30 years old. Ryan Coogler was 31 years old when he directed Black Panther. He's the youngest person ever to direct an MCU film. <laughs> So, fuck him. At 31 years old, he was making one of the best Marvel movies of all time. Honestly, anything I've ever seen of Ryan Coogler's has been very good. Same. The guy knows how to direct a fucking movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, right back to the authenticity of this film. It's funny because we talked about that also when we did Moon Knight. Uh, the, The care that was taken to give a sense of authenticity. Uh, This film was composed by Ludwig Goransson. He, he's also worked with Ryan Coogler before on Fruitfield Station and Creed. He also did Tenet, and he's doing the sequel to Black Panther, so that's good. He actually won a Grammy for this score, as well as an Oscar, but we'll, we'll get to the Oscars in a hot second, kids. He actually traveled to South Africa and visited the International Library of African Music to listen to archives from thousands of tribes, and he utilized specific West African instruments to implement into his score, and, I mean, it really does do exactly what we always say on this show that score is supposed to do. It really supports the story as a whole and elevates it to a new emotional level. And I really appreciate that. Oh, indeed. And specifically also, I mean, spoiler alert, but <laughs> during um, Killmonger's death scene, the score is like just it hits you like a truck. It really is just so powerful in that moment and so sad. But um, yeah, let's let's get on to my favorite subject, which is the Oscars. Now, <laughs> let's just backtrack to the 2018 Oscars, which is the year before this was up for Oscars. At the 2018 Oscars, everyone and anyone, including the host Jimmy Kimmel, which uh, hey, you know, if Jimmy Kimmel's hosting, it's a fun time. Um, <laughs> this is back when the Oscars had hosts. It was constantly talked about constantly it it just complete this was right when it got released so everyone was talking about it it was exploding people were talking about it already for oscars it was already in like the film packages like you know how like during the ceremony they do ah how wonderful cinema is let's do different clips and throw them black panther was already in it and it had been out for like maybe a couple months or something not even so yeah black panther exploded then so it that hype lasted for several months until we got to the next year's Oscars in 2019, where it was nominated for seven Oscars total and won three of them. 
Yeah, it was my dark horse pick for uh, best picture. That was never going to happen. <laughs> it was never going to happen. There is never, I mean, I don't want to, I, I will never say never. But, you know, and I love the Oscars, but the hoity-toity-ness of the Oscars will never die. So I don't think we're going to get to a place anytime soon <laughs> where a Marvel movie will win for best picture. I don't think it's going to happen. But uh, it did win for best score, like I said. And there's only one other superhero film ever in creation with a nomination for best score. Do you want to guess which one it is? We have done it on the show. Uh, oh, we've done it on the show? Yes. So, so it's an MCU movie. No. No, it's not an MCU. Okay, so that eliminates a lot. Yes. Mwahaha. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. Superman. Oh, that's right. 1978. 1978. Yeah. And it didn't win. Um, but this, this one did. Black Panther won for score. And it also won for costume design and production design. Rightfully so. Because, I mean, the, the costumes are fantastic. And the production design is, like we said, it's just the world building of Wakanda. It's, it's incredible. But, yeah, there was a lot of hype during that year that it was going to win Best Picture. The fact that it was nominated for Best Picture was a feat in itself it was a big deal to have it win any oscars at all let alone three oscars simply because it's not only a superhero movie but a movie like we said predominantly starring and made by african-american people so it was astounding that it got the recognition that it did i'm so happy it did i don't think it didn't have any acting nominations which i mean makes sense in the world of marvel that it wouldn't get any but i mean it did it did get a lot of other nominations it got both sound editing and sound mixing back when those two were separate and it lost both of those to bohemian rhapsody like i said it got nominated for best picture but it lost to green book however it is the first ever superhero comic movie to ever be nominated for best picture so there's something there it's funny because we both did like green book i did like green book but i feel like looking back at the time green book was one of those that probably shunned the one best picture well yeah that a lot of people felt that way that it wasn't that it wrongfully won i think that year the favorite ironically was the favorite to win best picture um but it didn't i didn't see that so i I can't speak to that i did see green book though and i liked it and then last but not least it was nominated for best original song for all the stars by kendrick lamar but it lost to shallow from a star is born which i can't be mad about because i love that movie and i love that song Also, All the Stars was just an end credit song, which I don't discount that it's good, but like, fuck you, Shallow's good. Um, also, it's not in the movie, and Frankie has a vendetta against mo- songs just for the credits. I don't have a vendetta. I just, I, just, I just find it to be a cop-out sometimes because it's not, it's not incorporated in the movie. It's just an end credit song. Now, granted, there are some end credit songs that are good, I'm not saying All the Stars isn't a good song, but yeah, I'm glad Shallow won, sorry. (laughs) Now, as far as the character of Black Panther, it was obviously created by Stan Lee along with Jack Kirby. His first appearance was in a Fantastic Four comic in 1966. The character of Black Panther was actually created two months before the founding of the Black Panther Party, 
which is kind of weirdly hilarious. And they tried to change the name briefly because of the, you know, quote unquote controversy. They changed it to Black Leopard for like a few months. And then everyone was like, this is stupid. So they changed it back. (laughs) And then I believe he joined the Avengers in 1968 and then got his own solo series in 1977. And some people consider him to be the Marvel version of Batman. He's very similar. I think also in the comics he marries Storm at one point. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. I'm not an X-Men girl. We've discussed this. The only movie I've seen is Logan. So Scott's eventually going to get me to watch all the X-Men movies. I'm scared. But um, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she becomes his queen at some point. Got it. But yeah, I guess he's similar to Batman because he's rich and everything. But he also does have power. Well, he doesn't have powers. He is a powerful... No, he does have powers. He does. He is. He has fucking powers. Fuck him. Okay, no, he's not Batman. (laughs) I think Iron Man is more Batman than T'Challa is because he actually has no powers. He just relies on, you know, techno wizardry. Yeah. I don't know if there's a direct, like... Usually you have like a DC Marvel like, oh, who's this one? Who's that one? I don't know if Black Panther really has a DC counterpart. Right. That's all the preliminary fun facts I have about Black Panther going into this. He's obviously a beloved character. I'm excited to talk about this movie because I literally haven't seen it probably since it like first came out. So it was really nice to rewatch it, especially now that uh, unfortunately... Chadwick Boseman is gone and uh, it was bittersweet to see him running around again in the suit and doing his thing but it just reminded me like how fucking great he was as an actor and it's just so sad that he's gone unfortunately but yeah but that's the thing is like even though unfortunately he is gone he left behind such a great body of work from this to the five bloods you know 42 yeah 42 which we actually did a review on on this show it was five years before this so it's kind of crazy yeah because i didn't know who he was really before this movie he kind of just popped out of nowhere and like exploded in his career it's just insane and in 42 i even said it at the time when we did that review with our good friend jeremy cobb shout out to three black halflings they're amazing i said he was on his way to becoming the next denzel oh yeah Definitely. And I definitely still think if he had not passed away, unfortunately, he probably would be winning Oscars or, you know, still acting in great movies to this well, day. Well, let's be honest. He probably should have won that Oscar for yeah. uh, Ma Rainey. Yeah. He kind of got robbed, unfortunately. It's kind of gross how that all happened. The last two Oscar ceremonies, we did a kind of live watch along sort of along with the ceremony and i mean when that moment happens where they literally waited till the very end of the ceremony to do best actor because they were just so sure that chadwick was gonna win and then (laughs) blew up in their faces just egg egg all over their faces and it was just the most horrible moment Ugh, it was just so terrible all that build up and then just the biggest deflating balloon you've ever seen in your life feel free to listen back to that one it was kind of insanity but it's a shame so you ready to get into this this nitty and gritty dear yes i am ready to dive right in so we start off with chadwick boseman telling us the backstory of wakanda and 
how this nation has been built, and they are basically on a giant meteorite-sized thing of vibranium. Exactly. And he is now... Rewinds us to 1992 Oakland. Oh, boy. Where his father, T'Chaka, as the Black Panther, comes to confront his brother about stolen vibranium. And we learn more about that as we go throughout this movie. His brother, Njobu, is played by Sterling K. Brown. Sterling K. Brown's amazing. That's all I want to say here, and we move on. Ah, but you know what I want to say about Uh, Sterling K. Brown? (laughs) I don't know if you guys know this. Obviously, he's been in a lot of things, all very good. He's a great actor. But what I know him from (laughs) is season two of Supernatural, bitch. He played Gordon Walker. He was a hunter, and he turned into a vampire. And Sam Winchester killed him with some barbed wire and cut his fucking head off. Yeah, bitch. Supernatural reference. It's been a long time. Okay, moving on. <laughs> it's been a long time. Oh, God. So, yeah, we find out Sterling K. Brown helped a bad man named Claw steal a bunch of vibranium, who is played by... Andy Circus. Andy Circus. You know Andy Circus oh, yeah. from everything. Gollum. Yeah, he was Gollum in Lord of the Rings, Snoke in Star Wars. He played Alfred in the Batman, the latest Batman movie. He was Caesar in the Planet of the Apes reboots. Yeah, yeah. You know. You know the guy. He's he's that guy. He's the mocap guy. He does great in this movie, though. But he looks like he's having a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a little bummer that basically, spoiler alert for Black Panther, that he dies in this movie. He is kind of a crazy character. Yeah, he's pretty wacky. So, yes, we fast forward back to present day where... T'Challa is on a mission to find and free Nakia. Nakia! Played by Lupita Nyong'o, the queen. She was Maz Kanata, of course, in the Star Wars franchise. She won an Oscar five years before this for 12 Years a Slave. She's going to be in the Black Panther sequel. People are saying maybe she could be the new Black Panther. I don't know. She's a queen. I love her regardless. And I'm really not looking forward to... Seeing, I mean, I was just going to say her grieving for T'Challa in the sequel, but I'm not looking forward to seeing anyone grieve for T'Challa in the sequel. (laughs) It's going to be rough, guys. It's going to be really rough. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely is. But yes, T'Challa's not alone on this mission. He is... Would you like? Let's just keep talking about all these fucking great actors. Okay, Okoye. One thing I love about the fucking Wakandan world is that all these fucking. I mean, there are a lot of warriors in Wakanda, right? Both male and female, but like these motherfucking female warriors, guys. Come on now. They're fucking amazing. Their outfits are amazing. Their badass fight choreography is amazing. Their spears are amazing. And Okoye is like the head general. And she's played by Denai Guerrera, who, of course, is Michonne in The Walking Dead. I love her in The Walking Dead. I love her in this. And I think she's going to get her own Disney Plus show. She is. Which makes me so happy. (laughs) It's funny because when you see her in this, because I initially knew her from Walking Dead, and to see her with the shaved head, you're like, ah, okay. <laughs> but, she looks great with the shaved oh, head, Oh, she though. does. She does, but I'm so used to seeing her as Michonne with the... Oh, right, with, like, the huge dreads. Yeah, for sure. And she looks at the T'Challa and goes, 
don't freeze. Oh my god, this is so cute. <laughs> and Giles like, I never freeze. I never freeze. And he lands, kicks a bunch of ass. Saves and, Nakia. And Nakia's like, why the fuck did you do that? He goes, uh, uh, my father just died. Like, he freezes at first. And he goes, my father. He's fa- very Twitter padded with her. Exactly. They're exes. It's it's a whole lot of drums, but it's okay. Because they clearly still love each other. But yeah, they saved Nakia. And T'Challa's like, my father died. I, I need you there. Like, please come back to Wakanda with me. So they go. And... We did see what happened to T'Chaka back in Civil War, because that's when Black Panther first appeared in the MCU. And now we are going back to Wakanda, this great landscape. It looks sick. It looks dope. And we go and we meet some more people. Most importantly, Ramonda, who is the queen mother. She's uh, played by Angela Bassett, Oscar-nominated queen, she was in the Tina Turner film in the 90s. She was uh, Stella who got her groove back, girl. She played Amanda Waller in fucking shitty Green Lantern movie. She's the queen. And then, of course, we meet Shuri, T'Challa's little sister, played by Letitia Wright. This is her first big movie. And, of course, she is probably, like, the top pick for who's going to be the new Black Panther. But who knows? Who could say? I don't know. I genuinely don't know who's going to be the new black panther i'm scared and the thing is they've kept it pretty under wraps oh yeah i mean i think they've been doing a great job so far kind of but you would expect like doing that somewhere somebody would be like hey did you hear under uh you know yeah some kind of leak or something they're gonna have like a betting pool by the time this movie comes out i'm sure actually let me i got this i gotta look it up i'm sure there is one there's gotta be like the odds are probably like shuri Nakia, Okoye, Killmonger, and then somebody else. And that's going to be like a million to one if it's somebody else. And then it, watch it ends up being like General Ross and everyone shits their pants. <laughs> Imagine the one white guy becomes the Black Panther. That'd be oh, disgusting. <laughs> that would never happen in a million years, but it'd be kind of fucking oh, weird. Oh, it'd be insane. Let's see. Shuri is definitely the favorite Right, because she makes the most sense. She's technically a princess. She's next in the royal line, and yeah, and she obviously can take care of herself. So yeah, I think Sherry's the favorite, followed by Nakia. Sherry's at minus one seventy-five. Nakia is at plus one seventy-five. Okoye's at plus three fifty. Eric Killmonger at uh, plus four hundred. Mbaku as plus five hundred. Ooh, Mbaku. That uh, could happen. Yeah, and Bucky Barnes is plus a thousand. Well, no, they would make him the White Wolf. They wouldn't call. No, it's not gonna be Bucky. Bucky's gonna be in Thunderbolts. <laughs> it, Bucky's not gonna be in the new Black Panther. Yeah, no, we? that would be that would be fucking weird. <laughs> no, 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 no. But he's got plus a thousand odds. So if you bet a dollar on Bucky Barnes, I you mean, can win a thousand dollars. I mean, if he becomes great, Black but Panther. like, at what cost though? <laughs> at what cost would you win that thousand dollars? <laughs> <laughs> just the death of <laughs> a franchise oh my god but yeah so it's very interesting i don't think anyone would be that stupid if you gave dc who is notoriously stupid with it if you gave sony the power to make a black panther movie they're like okay you get to pick the next black panther i don't even think they would be stupid enough to put a white guy in the suit the o- i don't even think they would be that dumb the only way i could see bucky barnes even like 
There's no way they would call him Black Panther, though. They would call him something else. I could see, like... But even then, because he would be the leader of Wakanda, that would not... No. no. Well, I... The only, again... <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. The only way I could see Bucky Barnes, he, he doesn't become Black Panther. Like, the suit, like, falls on him, and he, like, uses the suit mm-hmm. once. Like, that's the only way Bucky would, I think... Would ever, like, wear the suit. Yeah. No. I agree. If it was, like, a happenstance thing that happened, like, f- for, like, a bit in a movie that eventually led to someone else being black panther sure but yeah no no (laughs) yeah literally the only requirement to be black panther is that (laughs) you need to be black that's literally the only thing that they really require oh god no because yeah bucky is also the white wolf so that would make whoever put bucky in those odds is stupid (laughs) He's in the Thunderbolts. <laughs> Stop it. He's not going to be in a new Black Panther movie. He's in the Thunderbolts and he's going to get with Yelena and it's going to be wonderful. Yes, so we quickly cut to London. London? Is uh, somebody going to meet <laughs> Stephen Grant? No, we are not going to meet Stephen Grant. Well, at least not to my knowledge. Uh, unless he's in the background of that museum. Imagine. <laughs> uh, but we meet Killmonger. Yes, a.k.a. Eric, <laughs> played by Michael B. Jordan. And um, I don't know why I forgot this, because I've seen this movie like a hundred times when I was a kid. Like, he started out in Hardball. You remember that movie, Hardball? I do remember the movie, He was Hardball. in Hardball. I was yeah. like, oh, that's Michael B. Jordan. But yeah, but as we said, he was in Fruitvale Station and Creed and Just Mercy. And he actually auditioned to be the Falcon years earlier and he was johnny storm in the fan four stick movie remember that movie no no one wants to remember guys do you remember i never watched it thank god (laughs) oh god i've only seen bits and pieces of it the fantastic four is also a a relatively large gap in my marvel knowledge although they're making another fucking fantastic four movie in the mcu so who knows if that's gonna work out it's so funny because again sidebar the fantastic four are such a big group in like marvel history like they are always like a huge group Mm -hmm. and they have never been done well well i think they kind of you know made it clear that like they're gonna be in it because they had jay kras be mr fantastic in the doctor strange sequel though apparently he's not going to be yeah apparently that's yeah no he's he's gonna be somebody else in the actual movie movie but i don't know i don't know why just make make emily blunt sue storm and then make J. Kras, Mr. Fantastic, and like that would be like the cutest thing in creation, and then you're, you're good to go. But yeah, Michael B. Jordan is working with Claw to steal vibranium that's in the museum. The Claw, the Claw is our master. The Claw chooses who will go and who will stay. Exactly. Uh, so we cut back to Wakanda, where we are celebrating our new king. Yay! And Wakanda forever! <laughs> Indeed, Wakanda forever. We meet Zuri, played by Forrest Whitaker. Yay! We obviously talked about him uh, when we discussed the movie Rogue One. Ryan Coogler has described the character of Zuri as Wakanda's own Obi-Wan Kenobi, which makes sense to me (laughs) because he is not a, a perfect leader character he has made mistakes in his life but he also is a very wise and um good guy but uh he is leading a ritualistic combat people can challenge t'challa for king of wakanda 
And no one seems to really want to challenge T'Challa until... Oh, my God. M'Baku. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> Winston Duke comes into frame. This is his film debut. M'Baku is a force, I think, from the moment he steps on screen. Oh, absolutely. It would be so easy for that character to just be like kind of if you put it in the frame of like a high school movie for example he's kind of like the typical bully type character but in an mcu movie right so it'd be so easy to make him just that guy but later on when he comes back in the movie after this initial fight with t'challa they give him some personality some humor and some heart as well and he is going to be in the black panther sequel so i don't know i don't know man maybe he could be the next black panther you never know yeah, Winston Duke comes in here and clearly has the size and power advantage over a powered-down T'Challa. Mm-hmm. And it's it's actually a very good fight between the two of them. T'Challa does eventually end up winning the fight, but T'Challa spares M'Baku, saying his people need him. Yeah. But it's a good fight. T'Challa becomes king. His powers are restored as he travels to the ancestral plane to have a discussion with his father. I feel like with a lot of the superheroes in the MCU, especially with their first movies, I mean, we've seen this because a lot of the movies we've talked about here in this series have been like the superheroes' introductory films, right? I feel like a lot of their initial work is a lot of action-y stuff, a lot of just typical superhero stuff, but then like maybe a pinnacle moment or two of emotionality and vulnerability. But with this movie, you don't think about it, but Chadwick Boseman has to really evoke a lot of vulnerability and a lot of emotion because his power as Black Panther is tied to his family and his home in Wakanda. So he's got a lot of emotional connections throughout the movie that he has to maintain, not just with his father. Uh, He's got Nakia. He's got his sister. He's even got Killmonger in there because they are obviously cousins as we later find out in the movie. So it's, it's all connected, especially in these scenes where he's talking to his father in the uh, ancestral plane he he really lets his guard down completely in an effort to get guidance from his father. Immediately after he wakes up, he has a conversation with Nakia about her becoming like queen with him. And Nakia's like, I don't want to do that. I can't just live in Wakanda and turn a blind eye to the rest of the world. And this kind of also introduces us to the plot of Wakanda could do all this to help the world. But they choose to protect themselves because, mm-hmm. you know, they could lose everything. Right. So it's it's like, how much do you help versus how much do you hurt yourself? And there's an argument to be made either way. So it's like throughout the movie, you know, different sides have different perspectives. And like you can see different sides. Like there's nobody that's all bad and nobody that's all good in these scenarios. So that's what makes it compelling to watch. Yes, and while he's now newly minted as king, Claw shows up on the radar. Every time you say Claw, I want to do the Dr. Claw voice from Inspector Gadget. It's fine, though. I'm going to get over it. Well, you haven't seen the last of Dr. Claw Gadget. When Claw shows up, we meet Daniel Kaluuya, who plays Wakabi, who is a leader of one of the tribes. He's also 
Okoye's lover. Yes. And of course, Daniel Kaluuya, we all know him. He's also an amazing fucking actor. He just won an Oscar for uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. He was in Get Out and he was just in Nope. So yeah, he's fucking great. He is a great actor and he wants Claw to be killed or captured. And he basically tells the child, like, you have to do this, you know. Your father couldn't get this done. You have to do this. And T'Challa basically agrees. So we travel to Busan. Yes, which made me think of Train to Busan, obviously, which we did on the show. But I think that was actually filmed in Busan because this movie was filmed in several places. They filmed in Argentina. They filmed in South Korea. And they filmed in Atlanta, Georgia. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, when the film takes place in Busan, South Korea, it's actually in Busan. <laughs> that is actually really awesome. But yes, we learn they got to go to the club. But we also meet Agent Ross. Ah, yes. He first appeared also in Civil War. But he's played by Martin Freeman, who played Watson in the Sherlock series alongside Benedict Cumberbatch. He also played Bilbo in the Hobbit series, and he is also going to be in the Black Panther sequel, happily so. But I do appreciate that he's the only white guy in the fucking movie, and it is kind of funny because so many times you hear in movies and television that there's like a token black character or a token minority of some sort, and now they kind of flipped it on its head where now we have a basically a token white guy, which is great. <laughs> he's just token white guy in suit here to help because he works for the FBI or whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah. hey there, buddy. <laughs> and Martin Freeman is doing a pretty damn good American accent, which is hilarious also. <laughs> yes, it is. Because he's so British usually. <laughs> yes, he is very British. But Martin Freeman is there to make a deal with Claw and like secretly try and bring him in. But T'Challa comes up to him and is like, yeah, that's not going to happen. We want him. Like, he's going to leave here with us, just so you know. And, and Ross is like, uh, no, no. <laughs> so they do not want an incident to happen in this club. But, of course, an incident happens in this club. Oh, what a shock that is. So Claw comes in with, like, his henchmen or whatever. And a fight ensues. And shit gets crazy. And it leads into a big car chase outside of the club down the streets of busan and i loved this scene i remember this is like one of the most distinctive memories i have of watching this in the theater when they go out nakia and okoye get in one car chase the bad guys t'challa throws like a discus or something like a technological discus for lack of a better term onto another car he jumps on top of the car and all the way back in Shuri's lab in Wakanda, like a fucking holographic version of the car pops up in her lab and she starts driving the car like it's a fucking video game in her lab. And it's just so good. It's fucking so cool. Indeed it is. And there's like exploding cars, spear throws. It's great. Oh, there's one line where Okoye, who, mind you, like all the warriors throughout Wakanda, the different tribes or whatever, they all use spears pretty much or, or knives or something of that kind, right? So <laughs> Okoye, who always has this big, huge, awesome spear, she sees all these crazy fucking assholes shooting at this vibranium-protected car <laughs> with bullets, and she just goes, ah, guns, so primitive. <laughs> like, oh, oh, my God. I don't know if this, that's a shout-out to, like, fucking Star Wars where fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi goes, Blasters, such a f 
inelegant weapon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes, they eventually do catch Claw. Again, there's a lot of great moments. I, I think one of the best moments, though, is when the fucking car blows up and the Koye has to fucking flip and, like, catch the hood of the car. Oh, my God. And then, yeah, fucking Nakia, like skids along in like the driver's seat that has been <laughs> disconnected from the car and she's just like Meh. <laughs> uh, but they catch Claude and bring him in for an interrogation and T'Challa allows Agent Ross to interrogate him first mm-hmm. allows but then meanwhile <laughs> he's like listening that's great too because Okoye takes no shit from anybody Okoye is like one of my favorite characters in the movie pretty much she like is speaking I think it's Zosa is how you pronounce it, but it's whatever language they speak in Wakanda primarily. So she's speaking to T'Challa and she's like, we can't fucking just let this guy interview him. Like, we got to take him and go back. T'Challa's like, let's give him a chance. Let's let him talk to him, you know, do his thing, and then we'll take him back to Wakanda. And (laughs) all this time, Ross is just standing there and he's like, does she speak English? And she turns around like, when she wants to. I was like, yeah, bitch. Stay the fuck out of her way. (laughs) Oh, God, it's so good. But quickly, Claw tells Ross about Wakanda and it being this technological marvel that only he has seen before. Mm -hmm. So when Claw tells Ross about this, he's like, hmm, that's weird. And it's just so obvious that Andy Serkis is having the time of his life in this role. (laughs) Like he is just being the most hammy over-the-top villainous villain that has ever villained. He's sitting in the fucking interrogation room just singing What is Love. Don't hurt me no more. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. And just being so over-the-top, and it's great. But he quickly uh, gets freed by Killmonger. T'Challa goes to chase after him, but takes a explosion that knocks him on his ass as Killmonger gets away. But, of course, somehow he sees the ring around Killmonger's neck. Which is identical to his ring, which was his father. So he makes the connection that somehow this guy is related to his uncle. And, like, what's going on there? So... They go back to Wakanda. They bring General Ross with them because he has valiantly taken a bullet to save Nakia. So they don't want to just leave him there. So they take him back to Wakanda to heal him. Yes. Which, like, as an agent, though, because he literally, T'Challa just turns to a fellow agent that's sitting there and he's like, oh, let us take him and we will heal him. And, like, obviously they had good intentions in doing that and it happened and it's great. It works out for the best. But, like, as that CIA agent, why would you just let <laughs> a random like country's diplomat, well, king, whatever, why would you just let some random person take him? That's uh, fine. Because you don't know Wakanda is Wakanda at this point. You think Wakanda is a third world country. It's fine. So, like, you, but no, no, no. But like, just logically, you would be like, oh, no, King T'Challa. It's okay. That's very nice of you to say. But we can take care of him here. Like, we'll get him to a hospital. You know, it's fine. Oh, God. It doesn't make sense. Obviously, it works for the movie's purposes, so it's fine. But just, like, if you think about it for a minute, it seems a little sus. Well, do you think that CIA agent literally goes and goes, well, I never really liked him much anyway, so... (laughs) He was kind of an asshole. He asked me out one time, and he he took me to, like, McDonald's or something. He's a cheap fuck. I'm letting him go fucking die in Wakanda. Oh, God. 
so yes, they take Ross back to Wakanda. Killmonger basically kills Claw to bring Claw's body back to Wakanda. While Ross is healing up, Charlie goes to Suri and is like, hey. What the fuck? <laughs> what happened to Najobu? My father told me, like, basically he disappeared. And Ziri's like, mm, not exactly. No, he tried to hurt me because I was spying on him. And then your father stabbed him in the chest. And like they have a similar thing too to Chaka and his brother Najobu. They had a similar thing where like Najobu was in America kind of scoping it out and seeing what the tea was over there. And Najobu was like, there are so many people here that look like us that are being disenfranchised and we could help them with our weapons and our technology and our power over in Wakanda. We can do something about it. But he was also making weapons and potentially hurting people so there was the intentions to help people but also doing it in maybe the wrong way so that's why everything transpired the way it did but then you find out that T'Chaka after killing his brother in what he thought was the right thing I guess he left Najobu's child behind that obviously was the absolute wrong thing well this is where you get your comparison to Batman of they created their monster. They created their villain. But this is like the first time is like, you made a fucking mistake. Yeah. And that's... I like that message in this movie too. That like, you know, the good guys aren't always making the absolute right decision all the time. I mean, that theme comes up multiple times throughout the MCU, I feel like. Well, yeah, that also... This is a textbook version of the sins of the... Uh, the sins of the father come back to haunt the son. Right, of course, yeah. As I said before, Killmonger drags Claw all the way back to Wakanda, where Wakabi meets him and is like, he did what you and your father couldn't do. You're failures. He brought him here. Right. And he has the ring. He can challenge to be king. This leads to a fight between Killmonger and T'Challa. This is, like, so heavy emotionally, this fight. Because, I, like, not only are they fighting, but... Killmonger is like going for T'Challa's neck, like legit going in for the kill. Zuri feels racked with guilt because he's overseeing the the battle because that's kind of his role in the in the world of Wakanda, in service of the king. So he's doing that. He feels so guilty, and you could tell T'Challa also is trying. It looked to me like he's trying really hard not to kill this guy well because he because he knows who he is well he knows who he is he feels bad yeah he quickly knocks killmonger on his ass and like yield yeah he like he, he's not yield. he like he doesn't want it to end that way until killmonger stabs zuri because zuri's like please it's not t'challa's fault oh, i so sad i'm the reason your father died killmonger's like I'm going to kill both of you and stab Zuri in the stomach. Oh, man. And then T'Challa, like, his screams and, like, cries for Zuri is just, like, so heart-wrenching. Ugh. And then Killmonger just obliterates T'Challa, and he just is screaming to the crowd, like, this is your king? He's weak. He can't protect you. This is your king. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's, like, painful to watch. Because T'Challa is clearly not focused on the fight 100%. That gives Killmonger the ability to win and throw T'Challa off the fucking waterfall. Nakia takes 
Angela Bassett and Shuri and is like, we got to get the fuck out of here. And she tries to recruit Okoye, but she's like, I'm loyal to the throne of Wakanda. Yeah. I can't leave. That was a sad moment because she's like, I have to serve the king. I serve whoever sits in that seat. You understand where she's coming from, but also it's like you have to serve your country. But like, is this the country that you know it to be? Like, is this the Wakanda that you want? It's just sad to see it, but they also acted it really good. Like that scene, just every scene in this fucking movie is acted so well. Yeah. Oh my god, I love everybody in this movie. Okay, continue. <laughs> yes. So, Killmonger does become the new Black Panther. Ugh. And he goes, and his ancestral plane is the apartment back in Oakland. Yeah, and he talks to his father. And it's a sad scene. Yeah. Because they're talking and. Like, Sterling K. Brown basically goes, what, no tears to see your old man, basically? And he's like, everybody dies. Yeah. You know? And it's just like, it's such a cold way to look at it. But, like, it makes sense. That's basically how Killmonger had to live. Mm-hmm. But he becomes new Black Panther, and he basically goes, burn everything to the ground. But Nakia happens to grab one of the plants before she's able to escape, she goes with Ramonda and Shuri and uh, Asian Ross, and they go to find drumroll, please, Mbaku. Yes, this is a good scene. This elevates him as a character. This is what I was talking about before. Oh, he's fucking around with Agent Ross, and basically, because like, Agent Ross tries to speak up, and he's like, "You cannot talk. One more word, and I will feed you to my children." I'm kidding. We have vegetarians. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> oh my god! And he basically goes, "So what do you guys want?" And they they're like, "We want you to become the Black Panther." Now, in that moment, he could have very easily said, "Okay, take the plant, and then that's the end of that, and let T'Challa die." Obviously, right after this, we find out that T'Challa is alive and he is literally on ice <laughs> in a coma after falling off the waterfall. And he was taken in by M'Baku and his people. And like, as soon as he was brought to them, M'Baku could have let him die. But he put him on ice and did what he could to like keep him alive. Then when the ladies come with Agent Ross and they tell him, listen, we'll give you the power. You wanted to be king. Here you go. Here's your golden ticket, kiddo. And he's like, hold on. Let me show you something. And he takes them back and he shows them T'Challa. And he's like, here you go. <laughs> so then they give him the herb. And he comes back to life after another meeting with his father in the ancestral plane and that one is even better than the first one that scene with him and T'Chaka yeah because he calls his dad out he's like you were wrong for leaving him behind and, and he's right you know yeah and it's like a powerful moment where he's like you were wrong to cut Wakanda off from the outside world you were wrong to leave that kid behind but I'm gonna be different but I love you dad but I'm gonna do my own thing and do what's right and then it was a really powerful scene and then he wakes up and da, da 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 and umbaku is like you know i owed you one you spared my life in the battle before so a life for a life there you go we're good and he goes i could also use an army he goes you definitely could <laughs> but no <laughs> but yeah he goes who do you think killmonger is going to come for next and he's like 
Mm. <laughs> so we cut to yeah. Killmonger is basically starting to get ready, get all these weapons to go out to the world because he's ready to start his world war. Because mm-hmm. his goal this whole time is essentially to take the power back from the people that have taken power away from him and people that look like him. And that's a lot of the reason why you feel for him and you sympathize with him. But again, as we've said before, also, he is just so full of resentment and hatred. T'Challa brings up to him later when they reunite and kind of have it out. He says, like, you're doing to the world what you feel the world has done to you. And that's not going to make it right. We can make it right, but not this way. And he doesn't want to hear that. No, he, he doesn't want to hear that. But T'Challa does pop up and go, Hey, as you can see, I am not dead. And I never yielded. Bitch. <laughs> so the challenge is still on. Oh, it's so good. But the border tribe led by Kaluuya has uh, sided with Killmonger. And there is basically an all-out civil war here. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Well, there's one point where Wakabi and Okoye get face-to-face because obviously they're on opposite sides of this thing. And they go face-to-face and Wakabi says to Okoye, and this is another reason why I love Okoye, he goes, you would kill me, my love? And Okoye goes, for Wakanda? Without question. I'm like, yeah, bitch. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. She's the fucking queen. It's such a fucking powerful moment for Okoye. Uh, I mean, even the fight with Killmonger, too, because she acknowledges the fact that T'Challa's still alive. The battle isn't over yet. So, you know, he's the king. So now, okay, I'm going to go defend the king, and I'm going to beat your ass, Killmonger. Let's go. (laughs) Hell, yeah. Her and uh, three other guards do almost stop Killmonger but he's just a little too strong as the Black Panther and then fucking uh, Nakia comes out with her like frisbees of fucking fuckery yeah and then Shuri comes out with her uh, the big Hulk hands the gauntlets of fury (laughs) (laughs) it always reminded me of those like the kid toys the the Hulk hand like kid toys it was funny but yeah so good oh my god they're fighting and eventually M'Baku's crew does show up to turn the tide of battle yeah i mean what's what's great about all the fight scenes in this movie i think is that they are all so different and so unique either in location or weaponry or just the emotional force behind it well yeah that you're never bored i mean we talked about this last week when we talked about moon knight where some of the fight scenes are like and some of them are better there's always going to be a lot of fight scenes in marvel movies right but there's only so many ways you can do a fight scene. Yeah. So you have to have something extra to, like, keep people engaged. Well, yeah. Like, if you compare this to, like, Shang-Chi. Right. And the last fight of Shang-Chi, which is a similar, like, mass of people fighting. Mm-hmm. This does not feel like a CGI mess. No. Even though there's war rhinos, there's shields, there's Ross 
flying a plane and shooting other planes down. Oh yeah, that was cool too. They the girls go to Ross and they're like, "Okay, so you have to fly this plane that's out there while you're in here in the lab, like how Shuri did with the car earlier in the movie, because you're a pilot, Ross, so you can do this." Okay, bye. And then they go, and then yeah, Ross is literally sitting in the chair like a fucking flight simulator. He's the guy in the chair. Yeah, he literally is the guy in the chair, and he valiantly takes out the ship trying to send out all the weapons and it, that was like a cool moment for him for sure yeah like shang chi felt like because it was all like powers and stuff like it felt like a cgi mess also with a giant cgi monster yeah this doesn't feel like that it doesn't it's a big battle but it never feels too messy yeah and there are effects obviously used in the black panther big fight scene here as there are effects in the Shang-Chi big fight scene and they both have familial emotional pulls in both of those scenes yet yeah you definitely feel more connected to T'Challa as a character I feel like and just that whole crew in Black Panther than you do with Shang-Chi and we're talking about both of their introductory movies I do think Shang-Chi has potential to grow more as a character moving forward I actually really like Simu Liu as as the character yes but I think there's more to the movie just in general in Black Panther that you can sink your teeth into than there was in Shang-Chi so when we get to this final battle you're following everything that's happening Yes. Pretty clearly in Black Panther while in Shang-Chi. Yeah, it is just a lot of CGI fuckery and magically after like five minute training with a bow and arrow, Aquafina can shoot like the hair off a dog's ass. Like it's a little rough, but I think we're going to get better there. So I believe in Shang-Chi. But the point is, yeah, this is a much better uh, a set of fight scenes in Black Panther than in a lot of other MCU films. Yes. They also have war rhinos. War rhinos, yes. We love war rhinos. We do love war rhinos. Armor of steel, but also hearts full of gold. <laughs> exactly. But right before Killmonger's about to kill Sherry. Uh, oh, I loved that, yeah. And bl- then... T'Challa fucking... Just murks him and like flips him over down into like their Wakandan subway system. He tells Sherry to turn on the magnets that got introduced earlier in the movie that like shut down vibranium for a little bit. Yeah, so neither one of their suits work. T'Challa's or Killmonger's so they're fighting more I guess evenly in that regard without any vibranium protection you know yeah but it does eventually lead to it's a good fight they have a good point where they separate by train and like have a talk like again and he does try and convince Killmonger like yeah this isn't right and Killmonger's like fuck you basically and then when T'Challa eventually does stab Killmonger and that eventually does lead to his death but he stabs him and Killmonger's first thing he says is like oh that was a good move and I was like oh man fuck he's just like yep well you got me man I was like oh fuck no well as he said to his father everybody dies it's very much that vibe and I'm like oh that sucks and then yeah, you could tell just looking at T'Challa, like he doesn't want to have had to do that. And then he takes him up, like out into like the beautiful landscapes of Wakanda just so he could see it and see how beautiful it is. And T'Challa's like, you know, we can still heal you. And Killmonger's like, why? So you can lock me up? No, fuck it. And he 
pulls out the knife from his chest and he plops down. Now the reason why I watched this end part here and I thought maybe they did it this way so they could leave it potentially open for him to come back. They pull out when after Killmonger pulls the knife out of his chest and he falls to the ground. They pull out like a distance out and you see T'Challa walk over to him and like stand by him and you see a little bit of movement. Now what could have happened in this movement? Maybe he was just, you know, holding his hand or standing over him or something. Possibly, maybe he could have taken one of the beads off of his little bracelet, the little healing beads and put it in his wound just to like hold him over and so they can get him healed. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's going to come out. I don't know. Question mark. I think either way, it's fine. I, what would bum me out? I'm okay if he's alive. What would bum me out if he just magically becomes the Black Panther after everything that happened? Well, if he is alive or let's say he's in a coma hypothetically. All right. He never would have lost the powers. So he could still be, you know powerful we cut to uh t'challa basically being like yeah i bought the old apartment building where my father killed his brother i bought the building next to it i bought the other building to the (laughs) other side of it and we're gonna do wakandan outreach centers all over the place and we're gonna help the world we're gonna heal the world we're gonna do a fucking you know group song with michael jackson (laughs) heal the world it's gonna be wonderful yeah and then there's a like a mid-credit scene of him speaking at the united nations yeah that's where we're at it's a great place to be at going into infinity war where the whole fucking universe falls apart (laughs) so yay Yes, then we have the end credit scene. Oh, boy. Which was hinted at earlier on. Ah, yes, because when they bring Agent Ross to Wakanda, Shuri makes a comment along the lines of, oh, great, we got to heal another crazy white boy or something to that effect. And I had forgotten because I know in Civil War, a lot of shit happens with Bucky Barnes. And I was like, does it show them bringing him to Wakanda at the end of Civil War? I think it did. But yeah. We see Bucky Barnes emerging from some sort of tent in Wakanda and he's the white wolf and he's like, thanks for all your help, Shuri, for healing me and such. And she's like, no problem, bro. And you're like, Bucky's back. Yay. (laughs) I love Bucky. Yes. Just for him to get his own show with Falcon. Um, I feel like Bucky was severely underused in the first three phases of the Marvel Universe. well, okay. Like, I feel like he well, he, he could have had some more zhuzh in the first well, set of movies. Well, again, he's in Cap, where he dies. Right. And he's, like, the propelling force for Cap. But, yeah, then he doesn't really show up against the Civil War. Well, I, I feel like he's going to play a bigger role, probably, in the next few phases well, of the it's, MCU. It's going to become interesting, because they did choose, of course, Falcon to become the new Captain America. Right. I think rightfully so. I think rightfully so, too. Again... Sam Wilson is great. Uh, but, but he's going to be in the Thunderbolts, he's gonna Bucky. Be in, he's going to be in the Thunderbolts. He's going to get with Yelena. I think... I think so. Yeah, but probably. Sebastian Stan, I think, is a great actor. And I yes. think he definitely has the ability to carry on and do more with this. And I think they know that. So that's kind of why they saved him up. And again, the Winter Soldier is in a lot of things. 
Yeah. And it's, he's a fun character to kind of play with. So uh, he'll definitely be in more. We we got the Thunderbolts. He may at some point become Captain America. Who That's knows? true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I'm glad about that. I like him as a character. I liked him in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think as far as the MCU shows, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is probably on the, the lower side, but it was still good. Yeah, I think they set Bucky up for a lot more potential in the future, as well as Anthony Mackie. I think yes. they both have a lot of potential moving forward. Exactly, and I think both of them are going to be fun Yeah, when they come back into the MCU movies. But this, that is Black Panther. Black Panther! So good. It's great. It really is. I mean, for sure, like, was there a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of hype for it when it came out? Yeah. You know, understandably so, because of the importance behind it, the meaning behind why this movie was so popular, like what it meant for African-Americans, what it meant to the superhero culture, you know, like it's great. And Chadwick's amazing. I think watching this after his passing, it's bittersweet. Because you forget, like, how high the acting chops had to be for him in this. Like, you think of T'Challa as Black Panther and you think of, like, him just being, like, this kind of stoic, kingly character. Or you think of him kicking ass in the suit or whatever. But he, like, killed it in the actual, like, emotionally pulling acting department in this movie. And I think... Yeah, fuck. <laughs> well, not only that, like, there's some small little moments, like the freezing. Yeah. The little jokes he has with Sherry. Oh, my God, yeah. What are those? Why do you have your toes out in my lap? It's just, like, these little things, and, like, he's funny, too. He, yeah, he is funny. This is a very complete role and a very complete performance for him all around. And... It's tough because, like, I know initially, like, Wesley Snipes wanted to be Black Panther way back in the 90s. But, like, Wesley's a good action star. I don't think he could have got the same out of it. Yeah. As as Chadwick got out of it. Don't worry. He'll probably make an appearance in the new Blade movie. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure he will. So, yeah, I have Black Panther rated as a 5 out of 5. Damn. It really is great from beginning to end. I'm invested in T'Challa, in the whole world is beautiful. Like, I like all the characters. It's it's just, it's a fun movie. I could watch this a bunch of times, and I really think in the MCU, this is one of my very highly rated in the MCU. Yeah, this is also one of my most highest rated in the MCU. I I gave this the same score that I gave Guardians of the Galaxy, which is four and a half out of five stars. I would definitely watch it again. Yeah, just like the cast is fantastic. And the visuals are fantastic. The music is fantastic. The messaging is fantastic. The themes, the everything, it's all fucking great. And I think the fact that it got as much recognition as it did is also great. I think the fact that maybe because it got so much recognition and so much hype, maybe now it's a little overrated to some people. But I would suggest if you feel that way, just like go into it and don't even think about that hype and just go into it as level-headed as you can and just look at it as a movie and you'll still 
look on it super fondly. Since Endgame happened, I think a lot of people have gotten the sort of Marvel fatigue, especially since we started coming out with the shows and this and that and the other thing. I think for a lot of people, Wakanda Forever is going to be like their make or break to either kind of get them all the way back into the MCU or not. I think for some people it was No Way Home, but I think for a lot of people it's going to be Black Panther 2. I'm really excited about it. And I can't wait to see it. I'm glad we watched this before the, the second one. one comes out. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it now even more. Even though I know I'm going to cry. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of crying, I feel like, in the theater. Yeah. It's going to be... It's going to be really rough. It's it's going to be insane. Because the fact that they are in the sequel acknowledging that T'Challa is dead... Yeah. ...is going to be huge. I wonder how they're going to do it. I really do, too. Like, are they going to be like, is it going to be like something like something crazy happens? Is it going to be off screen? Yeah, I don't know. It's been so hush hush about it. Right. And I think rightfully so. I yes, think. of course. Yeah. I, I think also that I've heard people say that maybe they wish that they didn't kill T'Challa. And I can understand that feeling, especially because T'Challa is a superhero you want to keep that alive for people, especially kids that watch Black Panther and look up to T'Challa and to Chadwick. But I think on the flip side of that, I think it's good to show people, especially people in the younger generation, that even though T'Challa slash Chadwick is gone, the ideals of the Black Panther and the power of that name of that character can still live on and can still be somebody else yeah i feel like it shouldn't all rest on one person's shoulders i feel like the message should be and probably will be that you know just because chadwick is gone doesn't mean the black panther has to die doesn't mean that that symbol and that strength has to go with him indeed so yeah man I would highly suggest, especially if you're going to see the second one, rewatch the first Black Panther. Um, there's definitely some, you know, bittersweet moments in there seeing Chadwick, but it's it's definitely worth watching. It's really fantastic, technically fantastic, as well as the acting and all of that. It's really just a great fucking film. Indeed. And uh, we're looking forward to the sequel, but next week... It's oh. Halloween time. Oh, we're in spooky season, baby. Yep, we're getting into our spooky, spooky season, which means Scotty and I will be watching nothing but spooky movies. I'm excited. Uh, and we have a weird kind of like jump around decades thing going on. Well, we always do. Scott, when do we not have a weird lineup of movies? That's true. We do have a weird lineup of movies. I mean, that's why the people come to see us because Indeed. we watch completely different fucking movies uh, week to week so we're we're gonna have fun in this spoopy season of shoot the flick but until next week this has been shoot the flick i'm frankie sparks i'm scott eisenberg make sure you check us out on instagram and twitter at shoot the flick and check out our weekly episodes every single wednesday on itunes spotify google podcast and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast and make sure you come back next week for our creepy spoopy movie adventure oh, oh dear <laughs>